Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. Happy New Year's Eve, everybody. We have a great show ahead. These are my favorite episodes and segments from 2022, and I've saved some of the best for last. We've started out here with Kayleen McCabe, talking about construction and the trades, architect and my personal friend, David Applebaum, architect of the stars. Then we've got Growing Like a Pro with Joe Gardner, and we dive into a masterclass with my friend, Dr. Dex. We have so much here for the last episode of 2022 that you don't want to miss. And to find out more information, head over to Around the House online. And if you grab the podcast, I will have the full episodes in each one of these show notes. So you can take a listen to the whole one if one of these catches your eye. Now let's get back to my favorite episodes of 2022. Let's get this show going. Let's do this. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. This is where we talk home improvement every week. Thanks for joining us. Caroline and I have a special guest, my sister from another mister. Kayleen McKay. And she's so high energy and she's just amazing. Her vibe is like, it's just, I need her vibe. Right hey, I will share my vibe. I'm so happy to share my afternoon with you all. This is awesome. Like, you know, I get to hang out, hang out for a little while. And by the way, Kayleen makes the best, like, lunch boxes. Oh, hey, thanks. I, uh, I actually just put them all away. Ah, <laughs> oh, nuts. Um, so ah, I see, like it's taking, okay. Well, I'd like to show them because I teach little kids now, so it's fun to show them. Like, yeah. look, you can take cardboard and popsicle sticks and make this fun stuff. And I have one designed right now, and it's like halfway in the process. It's going to be a little piano lounge. <laughs> it's all ridiculous, <laughs> I know. But, nice. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for the piano. Weird sentences nice. to say in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's, I always see her running around and it's, it's never a clutch purse. It's always like a, a 1966, like oh gosh. Milwaukee Sander metal box or something. You know what I mean? I'm just making up brand names, but yeah, it's just, it's always something. <laughs> no, it's one of those. I also have um, my, my opera clutch, I call it. So when I go to fancy events is mm -hmm. um, I have a 1923 <laughs> ferret set from Snap-on that's like rusty and gross. <gasps> but you open the inside and it's black velvet and oh, diamonds because I'm fancy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so cool. It's fun. It is awesome. You know, working in construction, if I were to show up to something with a coach bag, I'd look ridiculous. But if I roll up with a <laughs> old Rockwell like metal case that people are like, oh, all right. And weirdly, uh, one time my truck was broken into and they stole all the new tools except for my old purse because it looked like a beat up box. And they were like, what's in there? <laughs> well, little did they know, keys of the kingdom. My my passport was in there, like my, my wallet, but they assumed that it wasn't something nice because it was so ugly. So bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Well, everybody out there listening, if you don't know who Kayleen is, she has been all over the place. She was on DIY Network for like, it seemed like forever with Rescue Renovation. 
And then, man, you have just been like champion of the trades. You've got your foundation. You, I don't know where you got the time. <laughs> um, well, it's my passion. <laughs> I really am so passionate about um, changing the mindset of what it means to be successful. You know, there are multiple pathways. I don't have any college education. And for a long time, I was terrified to have people find that out. Um, but I'm passionate about sharing it and getting people employed. It's a great career. It makes me so happy. And really, if I don't make sawdust every few days, I'm depressed. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of that, you were actually down at World of Concrete here recently. And I couldn't go because I've been getting ready for the show in Orlando. And and Kayleen and I have a, uh, a similar love for Orlando, but we're heading down. I'm heading down there anyway. Long story short, how is World of Concrete? Okay, uh, Carolyn, you haven't been yet, correct? Never. So you need to share. You need to share and tell us all about it because I know nothing. Okay, first of all, it's the largest, one of the largest um, conferences in the world. And it's all about concrete and masonry. And that sounds kind of basic, but the reality is it's amazing. Oh, it's so good. It's in Vegas <laughs> and Vegas has a huge convention center. And I haven't been back in a while. And since COVID and all that shut down, two things, holy moly, they built a whole new concourse. So there is not only yeah. the central, the north, the south, there's now the west, and it's huge, but also, um, and I'm just saying- They blew up a hotel for that. Yeah. It's it's insanity. And so now you can also see the new Concord, the Hilton there. Um, I Ooh. rode the tram and the world's largest man-made sphere is being built there. And it's this huge black sphere and it's um, going to be an acoustical center. <laughs> it's so cool. So anyways, oh, cool. Vegas in general is just cool because of the construction that has happened in such a quick amount of time. And Vegas always pushes the industry too, as far as like what yeah. we'll see in residential construction. Like they were the first to... Like put a light on in the closet when you opened it. And then, you know, two yep. years later, you see it in homes. Um, okay. So anyway, so the world of concrete. I go because there's a competition. But before I get there, it was, it, there's just cool products everywhere. It's cutting edge and it's super fun. There's the one, uh, there was a saw blade that's like six feet in diameter. I don't know why, but I need it. Whoa. I just think it'd make a really good backdrop. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> there was an obstacle course they had for like dump trucks and big machinery, which is awesome. And these people were doing this, like backing up into like, little tight like basically driving a semi-obstacle course and like going over things that was awesome and i regret not having my cdl so much because i wanted to compete so bad like oh uh. see i used to have mine (laughs) fun fact i used to have my class a and tanker (gasps) oh see that's i'm really yeah see i learned something too kayleen really yeah (laughs) yeah I'm jealous. I'm really envious because one, the employment opportunities, but two, I really want an air horn. I know like, <laughs> I have a tiny compressor for my truck, but in reality, I really want to go <laughs> all the time. Um, okay, so You know, what we've done before side, side note on that. We used to, we had grabbed from a buddy, a Burlington Northern air horn from one of the trains. <gasps> And put it on there. The problem was it's like 160 decibels. And so when you hit it, <laughs> you're breaking windows out in cars around you. I mean, it's it, people jump like there's no tomorrow. We had it in my buddy's truck for a while. It was Whoa! just blowing their mind. It was just crazy. But 
That's there's a few times in life that I went, oh, that was too much. That was one of those that I was like, okay, too much, too much. <laughs> right. You got to scale it back a little bit. I don't know. I'm still kind of yeah. jealous. Um, okay. Back to nerding out about World of Concrete. Yeah. So World of Concrete. that was fun. In the same lot, they also had a house being 3D printed out of concrete. So that was incredible <sighs> to see live and in action. And what was so wow. fascinating about it was there was like a channel left open for all your MEPs. Um, they had it slowed down because two, you know, like they don't want to take down an eight foot wall in two days, <laughs> but it can run. It's all going to get hauled off. Yeah, yeah. You have to do something with it. So the, it can run like 40 inches per minute, which is insanity. It also smooths the outside. So you don't get that. Wow. Like, I don't know that just watching the technology was cool and learning that they are going to be teaching how to make 3d printed um, homes from a class in Arizona. So now I can't wait to go visit that school. Like what? You can get a degree in this? Like, uh, amazing. So that was cool. Um, but the piece of resistance, the reason that I go to world of concrete and the, why it's like the coolest thing on earth is they have a bunch of competitions and it starts off the day with like the journeyman doing like a brick or a decorative design and then maybe apprentices. And then it ramps up to the fastest trowel, which is how many CMU blocks can be put down in 20 minutes? And these guys are doing a, a 30 foot run in 20 minutes. And some of them were had like seven or eight courses up in 20 minutes. Ugh. And it's fun wow. and level and pretty. Um, and then they have something called the toughest tinder. And the first time mm -hmm. I went and not being familiar with masonry, like I'm a carpenter, you know, so I was like, tinder, yeah. what swipe white? Like, I don't get it. Uh, so a tender, <laughs> like, um, a tender is the assistant and the partner to a mason. So the mason handles the block. The tender is prepping the block and the mud. And so it's this beautiful like dance that they have. It's a really strong team. But there's a lot of prep work to it. So they have a competition for that leading up to the final competition of the day, which is the Spec Mix 500. Spec Mix Bricklayer. Here, wait. Here, I'll even yep. do this. I got on a hat. Spec McBricks Layer 500. I was such a fan. Like, I want all the hats. Uh, nice. <laughs> yep. So, oh my God, I love that. Oh my God, I love so it. So anyway. Uh, Around the House, we'll be right back with my friend David Applebaum up next when Around the House returns. What's up? This is Dick Hand Satchel from Steel Panther, and you are listening to Around the House with Eric G. Yeah. We love Eric G, and you should too. When I'm down, I make a call. Happy New Year's Eve, everybody. Now let's get back to our discussion with David Applebaum and our favorite segments of 2022. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, a new kind of home improvement every single weekend. Thanks for joining us, Caroline. We've got a close and dear friend in the house. We got the today. best, the best architect, the best. I think he's the like one of the funniest guests we have. So when he comes on, I always laugh because he's just so comical and just so easy. It's in his blood. Oh. And you see him on our social media. He's around everywhere. David Applebaum. Architect to the stars. Architect to the stars. Ooh. Welcome back. Hey, how you doing, y'all? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can continue after all of those platitudes. <laughs> Gee. <laughs> I don't know if any of them are accurate, especially <laughs> me being easy. <laughs> so well, this is a family show, and we're not going to get into that today. <sighs> 
<laughs> Thank you. Shoot. Oh. Well, I wanted to bring you on. Caroline and I were talking about this because, you know, I've seen on social media here over the holidays and up through January and into February now, how many people out there are starting a house remodel or a new construction house and they've pulled up internet plans and all of a sudden they're on the interweb out there in a social media group talking about redesigning this house via the social media platform. And I'm going, this is already such a bad way to start. I call those people dreamers many times because I know that there's no way that's going to get off the ground from that angle. But I wanted to talk oh, about might, it, you know? It might get off the ground. It just might hit the ground really soon, too. Yeah. You know, I lo- let's, let's dive into this. If you're thinking about doing a major remodel or an addition or something like that or even starting to build a new house, I wanted to get your recommendations, David. Where do you start? Oh, that that is such a loaded question. And it's funny because not even major. I've got a friend who lives in San Diego who said, I want to open up my kitchen and my living room and my dining room. And I'm not sure if I even can. And so he came to me and I, I put him in touch with the right kind of people. He didn't need very much of me. Um I have to say this is it's it's a really multifaceted question with even more multi-layered answers. And I would start off with what is it that you want and from there go into a couple of different directions. Um I have said to you before, if you're throwing yeah, I, let me start by saying I hear a lot of people say, what do I need an architect for? I've lived in houses all of my life. I know what I like. I've got good taste. Well, you don't go to a wedding reception and say, you know what? I've cooked before and I know what I like when I eat. So I'm going to cook all of the food for the wedding reception when everybody knows the smartest idea is to hire a caterer. Exactly. And then you decide. No, no, no. I was going to say, I think people get scared when they hear the word architect because they think it's just automatically a big ticket item. And that's just my, I mean, I may be wrong with that. And it can be. No, you are here. So here's the other side of it. Okay. Which is what are you getting out of it? One of my prized employees who now is on his own, um, there was a new regulation in Los Angeles. And so I called him because I saw him applying for the low intensity development permit. And I was about to do my first. And I said, hey, what's going on with this? Um, can you give me a couple of pointers? Because sometimes we don't know everything either. He said, it'd be easier if I show you the drawings. But before I do, before I do, I want you to promise you won't give me any judgment because this was a client that only paid me $7,000 to do the architecture. So mm. they got a box and I made it really clear for $7,000, you're only getting a box. He said, I know you, even if you got a $7,000 commission, you would keep on designing it, redesigning it, redesigning it until it was perfect. I, I'm not willing to do that. So the point is you can specify with your architect how much you want and how much you're willing to spend. It doesn't have to be expensive. As a whole, I'm a full service architect. 
you hire me, I'm there from uh, evaluation of your program, uh, taking a close look at the codes. I'm doing a project right now that the client was smart enough to say, I had an architect that said he would do it for $5,000. Here's the drawing. Something seems wrong about it. And I looked at it and I said, okay, in your neighborhood, there's an area restriction and he is three times the area that you're allowed to have. Okay. Um, there's a height restriction and he's over the height restriction. You would have spent that small amount of architecture and you would have never gotten it built. Mm -hmm. And if you would have gotten built, it would have cost you a hundred thousand dollars in variances. Sheesh. So I tell all of my clients, I guarantee you that when you hire me, I will save you as much money as my fee, if not more by knowing how to do the right thing. And I didn't finish, you know, full service goes all the way through watching the construction process, observing it, reporting into the client the things that are going right and are going wrong, and making sure that the contractor charges the right amount. A, a client is not supposed to pay the contractor until the architect looks at the fees and say, wait a minute, you didn't put this in, or you didn't put it in right, or you have to put it in this way before I'll approve you getting a chance to get paid for it. You know, there's a lot so, of, as a designer, I've seen this a lot out there, David, and you're, and you're dead on right. I've seen, there's multiple different ways that I see contractors doing new construction house bids. They will go on to that. They will bid the house project to the remodel or whatever else. And I will see where everything's itemized. You can see that they have materials that are on par with that level of construction. And I'm like, okay, budgets are great. And then there's that handful of them out there that love to do that add-on change order where they're the changeover uh, kings and just, queens. And not just one. No. And not just one change order. If a change order is about $4,000 or even $2,000, okay, which might not seem like a lot in a $200,000 house, you do 10 of those and you've added 10% to the price. That's the reason why... When the architect is involved and you're bidding the project, the architect has a responsibility to look into what the contractor is like, because there's several contractors that I know if, if I've got three bids, this guy's going to always be 10% lower than everybody else because he knows he's getting in on that low price. And then he's going to change order the heck out of that project until it becomes more expensive than the most expensive contractor who had all of that figured out and isn't going to charge a penny extra. So question, do you go with the contractor that your architect would recommend or do you go with your own contractor? Around the house, we'll be right back with Joe Gardner just as soon as we return. Don't go anywhere. This is Ron Keel, the Metal Cowboy from Keel, the Ron Keel Band and Steeler. We are rocking around the house with Eric G. Raise your fist. Happy New Year's, everybody. Well, let's get into our next segment here. One of my favorites of the year. 
with Joe Gardner. He is one of the top, if not the top gardener out there on social media. Let's get back to the hey, show. Hey, Caroline. Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is going to be a lot of fun today. We have got a legend in the studio. If you're a podcaster, you've probably caught the Joe Gardner show out there. Mm. If you love television, maybe you caught him on Growing a Greener World. Joe Gardner, Joe Lample, welcome to Around the House. Oh, man. Thank you so much. I love it. I love being here. I appreciate the invitation, and I am ready to talk gardening or whatever else you want to talk about. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) We love it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you, you know, we're in the middle of July right now. We're in July. It's kind of starting to get to that time of the year where... It's not like you're starting gardens right now. Typically, you're you're maintaining, <laughs> and this is the time where people go out on vacations. And yeah, what are some of the seasonal things you're seeing right now in gardening? In you know, kind of this mid mid to late July time of year. You know, Eric. One one of the things that I've noticed this year here, where I am in Atlanta, Georgia, but our audience, our students, they're all over the country and beyond. But we have office hours every week with with some of our students, and we get a sense and a pulse of you know, what they're going through right now. We're all talking about the weather and the heat and the <laughs> either the lack of rain or the excessive rain, but all blended in there is the heat. And so no two years, the, the bottom line conclusion that we had, you know, just a call today was no two years are the same. And this year is unlike any other in the, in the heat. And so it's kind of like triage or survival mode more than anything else right now, as we come into mid July, uh, it's crazy with the heat, you know, just trying to keep the plants alive. And it's not like, and because this year is so unique, it's not like we've just got a lot of experience with this excessive heat and what to do about it. And, you know, there's nothing we can do about the weather anyway. We can't change it. So we just got to try to figure out how to get our plants and our tomatoes and our stuff that we're waiting for it to ripen to the point that we can get it before mother nature takes it down. Man, we fought that. I live in the Pacific Northwest, so I'm up here in mm-hmm. Portland, Oregon. Last year mm-hmm. we had that. I mean, it was late yes. June. We had one day, it was 116 degrees. It just, you know, baked everything. My rhododendrons looked like I'd put them in an oven. You know, nothing <laughs> was happy up here. And this yeah. year's the exact opposite. You guys have mm. the heat. We have had mm-hmm. record rains all the way up through June. We still have probably had just a handful of 90 degree days. Haven't gotten up into the hundreds like we wow. did last year in June. And it's, it's a cool year for us. So it's mm. crazy how... Across the country, you know, Caroline will be sitting there dying over there in Jersey, and I'm out here going, I got my heater on. Oh, our Jersey tomatoes are frying up right now. We've got 90 degrees, and it's like 100% relative humidity every day. Uh. And I tried to tell Eric Joe, you need to tell him that we do, (laughs) we are a garden state in New Jersey, though he doesn't even believe Mm. me. He thinks we're not. (laughs) We do have some luscious, luscious stuff going on here. Yeah, you can't beat the Jersey tomatoes. I will say that. We've been mm-hmm. up there filming a few episodes and oh my gosh, uh you the, you get the Garden State name uh honestly. It's it's you deserve it. It's some good stuff up there. But you know, right now it's like walking out into an oven is what it's like for a lot of yeah. us. And it sounds like that's the way it is for you, Caroline. Mhm. I did some blueberry yeah. picking uh last week and Eric made fun of me cuz I came back into the studio and my mouth was like so purple <laughs> and my teeth were days and I'm saying why is it? So maybe you can explain this Joe. Why is a blueberry you eat it in the grocery store it does not turn your mouth blue but you go out blueberry picking in this like luscious organic like farm of all blueberries and my teeth were so blue. Is it the nutrients <laughs> is it what's going on? You know that's a really good question but you know why is why is um 
a lot of the stuff we get in the grocery store uh, represented as what we like a tomato. Let me just turn the tables mm -hmm. on you just yeah. a little bit. And maybe there's a relation to the blueberry story here too. But the, the way that I think about it all the time and the big thing that got me was, was uh, I was reading, uh, I was reading a book and the author of the book was following this, this flatbed, this semi truck that, you know, was open, open topped. And he saw all these green orbs in the back of it. And it's like, he's like following it down. He's in Florida. He's following it for miles. He says, what are those green balls? And then finally one <laughs> fell out of the truck and it rolled down the road. And he, he, he followed the rolling thing down the road. And when it stopped, he pulled over and got out and looked at it. And finally he picked it up. He realized it was a tomato. So <laughs> this truckload of these round, like cue balls, only green cue yeah. balls were tomatoes destined for grocery stores all over the country. And as it turns out, he, from that, he wrote a book called Tomato Land, and he did investigative reporting no on way. the tomato industry because the majority of the tomatoes that we buy across the country off-season are come out of Florida. But here's the thing that I'm getting to, and that is the quality control specs on those tomatoes includes uniformity of size and, tr and travelability, you know, the shipability and the durability and all that, but there's not one item on that checklist about flavor. And so you get them to the grocery store, they're green, they're hard as a rock, you gas them with nitric oxide, Ugh. and eventually they turn red. But yep. they don't have any flavor, and the color is kind of induced, it's not brought on naturally. And so anyway, all that to say, that's why you get a flavorless tomato, you know, off season in the grocery store, and maybe why the... Blueberries, blueberries that look blue in the grocery store don't aren't maybe they're not really blue <laughs> you know, maybe that's an artificial <laughs> well it's true i mean awesome. you know i've been around i grew up in eastern washington so we had a lot of food processing plants and you start looking at a lot of the stuff coming in depending on what they're doing but it's like there's waxes and polishes and all these oh, things yeah. that are going on things like apples and yes. and all that stuff out there that is not on your tree or plant out in the backyard yeah. And there's the dirty dozen too. So there's that list of 12 crops that are um, so sprayed with every kind of pesticide and chemical possible to keep it alive and pest free and get it to the grocery store that by the time you get it, I mean, you better wash the, <laughs> better wash the heck out of it. What's the uh, worst? Before you consume it. What's the worst? Joe? Like, I always thought the apple is the worst, but. I think strawberries are the worst, mm. if I recall. I was afraid you were going to ask me what's on that list, but I think strawberries are really bad. Peaches are really bad. Mm -hmm. um, the soft, those soft ones where they yeah, don't yeah, have a, yeah. a layer out there to really the know, sweet, soft, them. juicy ones are the yeah. really bad ones. Yeah. Yeah, I think they had Not a surprised. recall on strawberries recently, right? So we're seeing, I mean, and maybe this is a question for you. We're seeing a lot of salmonella outbreak. We're seeing a lot of this listeria mm -hmm. stuff happening. Is that a, pro a product of gardening? Is it a product of not cleaning the vegetables, bringing them in, and then them being contaminated? I mean, is there any is there any truth to any of that? Well, I think the, the root cause of that oftentimes is in the irrigation in the fields mm -hmm. and where that water is coming from. And, you know, that proto that bacteria, those pathogens can find their way into the water supply and onto the plants. And there's also pathogens that live in the soil that can be dangerous as well. And the water can cause them to get up onto the foliage and into the fruit or up through the roots into the plant and therefore transferred into what we eat. And so, uh, you know, it's... It, try as they might, you know, they do everything they can to try to avoid that. But sometimes it's just beyond their control. And it's, yeah. it's unfortunate. But we find out the hard way when somebody gets sick, and, um, and then they have to just trash everything that they, you know, was in that supply chain. Yeah, Caroline, life, right? I've seen this, 
when I when I grew up, we had a bunch of those federal hydroelectric projects where they put mm. the irrigation out across, you know, in our states out here. And they're basically just big, wide open trenches filled with pumped in water out of a river or a lake. Yeah. The problem is, is the water when it starts out is really cool, clean water. But by the time it goes past the feedlot with the cows in it and through the the apple orchards and the corn and everything else, and there's plain spraying. By the time it comes out at the other end, which could be 10 or 15 miles later, it yeah. looks like brown green sewage water coming out there. Mm. And that's just because of all the stuff it's caught along the way. Uh, no question about it. And just the fecal matter from the wildlife that may find its way into the watersheds or the aquifer that merges with the water that was used to irrigate the crops. And that's that's my point. I mean, it, you never know where it's ultimately coming from or how it got there, but it does. And there's so many pathways for that to happen yeah when i was a yeah. kid we'd always have that you had two water systems in the house that we had you had the <laughs> irrigation water and that and you know you're 10 or 12 and you're getting a drink out of the hose and my mom's running out there going no don't drink that get out of it's water you know thanks joe gardner now next up we've got dr dex just as soon as around the house returns Welcome back to Around the House and Happy New Year. Now let's get over to Jason, Dr. Dax, in this last episode for Around the House in 2022. Now let's get back to the show. There is no way to fake that level of quality. It's either slides <laughs> or it doesn't. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I've gone to like 50 feet. I've thrown those things up to 50 feet um, on a slide. And and yeah, you don't always get it right on the first one. But, you know, it's a, for me, it's a thing. So I have to do it on every job now. Every time yeah. I have the opportunity, you know, dude. And that's, and that's the beauty of that is, and that's, that's care of the construction. And yeah. for the people out there listening, a two by 12 is not consistent with the one next to it. It's kind of close, <laughs> but you can be off on those dimensions. Oh, big time. And you have to go in and set each and every one of those things to make it work. And it's either right or it's not. Yeah, you need to grade your framing before you install it to thickness so that you know that you're not going to have a roller coaster surface when you're done. And that's one thing with the composites is they're flexible enough that you can start you really to see, see that it. in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lay down on your deck and look at it and you're like, ooh. I mean, we, <laughs> we take precaution and care. And every time I come up a ladder or a staircase and I look at the deck and I can still see a hump here or a dip there. You know, it, it, we just minimize it. We don't eliminate it unless we get into aluminum framing. Like you asked me a question earlier, what what do I see coming in the yeah. future? It's alternate metals framing, but I kind of skipped the steel train and I'm waiting for the aluminums to come. Yep. I think I think aluminum framing is going to be one of the biggest booms in, in our industry. And it's going to take another five to 10 years for it to really start to roll out. And that's where I'm going. That's where I'm putting my um, efforts and in, in, in trying to pick a brand or a couple brands that I'd like to use uh, because it will give you a laser flat deck. As a matter of fact, I just installed one called, with a company called Outdoor, mm -hmm. uh, where the gentleman that owns a company in Australia flew over here 
he really? stayed with he stayed with me in my house and he shipped over a complete deck section for this above like a pedestal system deck mm-hmm. that we had to do and we planned it out like months in advance and he finally came over here in April and we actually installed it together and it was a lot of work because there was yeah. many challenges uh, that he didn't realize when you know you can only do so much over a, a Skype you know correct. But it was pretty amazing when it was done, and, and it turned out really nice. Well, you think about that. If you're putting down a, a deck product that's got a long warranty, you've got aluminum in there that's very consistent and mm-hmm. is virtually weatherproof. Yep. 100%. That's a solid system right there. You can put a deck on it and get decades out of that without yeah. having to worry about and for you, you're not having to put all the wrap on it. You're not having to do all the waterproofing on the deck board, on, yeah. the, on the joists and stuff. So it's probably going to go quicker in the long run. Well, he had, interlocking, he had an interlocking clip system, too, that we were able to use. So it locked all the boards down, and then we only had to fasten it like every five boards. That's yeah. crazy. It was cool, and it doesn't move. No, Yeah, it's not going to. No, there's no. And then there's in also a Cortex driller. Fasten Master actually makes a Cortex uh, fastener that can go into the aluminum, and you can Cortex it, and it Get locks out. it down, man. So we pinned all the ends on that deck, so it wow. wouldn't move around. Yeah, dude, Pretty that cool. is awesome. Okay, yeah, you got me looking at that now. That's that's cool stuff, and I think that's you're right, and and. You're not going to see the, the 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 challenges we see with lumber prices and availability, and you know aluminum's right. aluminum. They can knock that stuff out. Yeah, yeah. I think mostly like what this guy was his issue is uh, where to import it from, where to import it to, and then how to get it to the states and warehousing and all that. But you're like ported Tacoma. <laughs> exactly we talked about it but um he's a busy guy you know he's got a 30 million dollar company right now and he's trying to grow that to 100 and he's gonna do it uh with this product i can tell you right now it's pretty he's actually developing a framing system for us in the states because we're so into our nominal dimensional two by eight but we can use a two by eight and spend at 14 feet you know, instead of yeah. uh, eight feet or nine yeah. feet. Hadn't know? thought of that. Yeah. You get totally different spans out of this. And it's flat. Wow. Yeah. All right, yeah, man. man. That's and cool. you can build thin with it. Their, yeah. sy- their system, they have all these varying widths. So you can build a two and a half inch thick deck. How tricky. In a contemporary house, could you imagine doing that where it's just. Yeah. Laser thin. That would be. But laser thin. like for, for those uh, rooftop, those flat rooftop areas that mm-hmm. uh, people have rubber or, you know, whatever and kind stuff of on them, yeah. hot mop on them, whatever. Yeah, this this is a cool. That's what, that's why we had to use his system, because I couldn't do a traditional. If I would have done a wood frame, it'd probably already be falling apart by now. Yeah. So good. Good call. Good call. Yeah, man. So, that is cool stuff. You heard it here first, guys. That's the that's the trend <laughs> from Doctor Dax. That's that's my trend. See, see when you when you cut with steel, every cut you make has to be protected. If you let yep. the shavings go down onto your nice patio or cement, it's going to rust. rust. Okay, so you got to cut off site almost or or somewhere contained, and um, then, and then you still blow have to that off because you can't yep. have any of those sha- those right aluminum. I mean, it might be silver specks, but it's not going to rust. Yeah. Um, 
And then pergolas, uh, like uh, TimberTech just acquired structure, which is an aluminum um, louvered roof. Yeah. So I think louvered roofs and patio covers are going to be a, a, another hot item uh, coming up, up and coming for the for the future. Um, I didn't see that those guys had, had grabbed them. That's awesome because yeah, I, they did. I've looked into mm-hmm. that stuff. It's cool. I got a buddy, really one of my really good friends that lives down the street. We've been kind of looking at that for his he wants to do a covered area over his deck because out in his backyard is full sun and he just bakes out there. And so we were wanting to make a kind of outdoor kitchen area for him that was going to be out in the middle of his yard. And it would look that's like- the only thing. They're they're not cheap. Um, it's a premium investment. I can do a standard acrylic and aluminum patio cover for half the cost of a of a, a structure. Yeah. So that's usually what I end up doing because people don't want to spend the extra money unless they really want that pergola. Yeah. Know? But they but, are uh, sexy cool. I think outdoor kitchens and, and, and just, just space, like covered space that you can hang out under. But most people don't realize what they're spending. Um, when I go on these estimates, people don't realize how expensive that's going to be. You want a yeah. 20 by 20 enclosed co- or covered area with a deck. You know, you're spending a hundred plus thousand dollars and people don't realize they're thinking it's 20 grand. And the you're not buying the materials for, the for half of more than yeah. that. Yeah, materials are twice that, three times that. So yeah, so uh, that's always a, a, a rude awakening for a lot of people is just price. Yeah, I just kicked out a bid for three hundred grand for a guy just to do a resurface. It was three thousand square feet. Whew. Yeah, all rail, all new bladders. I mean, it was a lot. But I wow. doubt I'll ever see the, the day, the light of day on that one. You know, I, I yeah. didn't expect to, but I wasn't gonna just because it's big doesn't mean I charge less. No, no, you know? it's still labor is labor, materials are materials when it comes down to it. I mean, yep. you're not having to to move off the site, but these days it's not like you're sitting there leaving, you know, your tools on site for a week either. You know, you're, yeah. you're still packing up either way. So it's just yep. one big job. Yep. And it's not like you don't have a waiting list out there either. Right. We're booked out a year right now. Yeah. The only problem I have is permitting. Oh. It's a nightmare. They have not got that straight yet. I mean, that's, it's, I don't think they're going to anytime soon. I don't care where you're located. It's pretty rare to get, you know, it's, it's feast or famine. You know, when you think, okay, it's slowing down out there. The new home builders are going to not take up as much time. So we'll be able to get remodel stuff. That's when the building department lays off the people in the building department. And then you just have less people you're working with. There's never like a, a sweet spot there. No, it's unfortunate. It's it's um, just struggling with that right now. I bet. I bet. Well, brother, we are running out of time. We have blasted through an hour so quickly. Jason, mm. what's the best way for people to track you down out there, man? If someone's going to track you down, social media, website, where do they find you? Well, uh, Instagram, probably number one. That's the, my most followed uh, site. It's Dr. Dex, D-R-D-E-C-K-S. You can go to our YouTube channel under the same handle. And uh, my website is also, if you just Google Dr. Dex, you cannot miss me. <laughs> we, we will pop up. Um, and drdex.com. That's my webpage. Um, I haven't updated it recently. If you want the most up-to-date, probably going to go to Instagram. But um, our YouTube channel is really unique. Uh, my son actually cuts the videos and edits and uploads everything. We spend a lot of money every month trying to promote that, and it's all free to you. Um, all I ask is that you click subscribe. That simple. 
That's simple. Yeah. Click subscribe on that one, guys. And that's where you get your masterclass on this stuff. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Thanks for coming on today, man. I really appreciate it. We're going to do this again. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. I'm Eric G, and you've been listening to Around the House. Love is a love song. Let's be lovers. We're all over the radio. Take my hand. I know where to go. All over the radio with you. Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand-molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out Millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's Millboard.com.